Welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast. This week's theme, life, is a contact sport. Featuring Dana White. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. What did you think about the most recent episode? Who are some of the guests you would like to see on the show? Who's your favorite guest? Tell a friend to tell a friend that there's something new, something special in the marketplace, in the podcast space. The Renaissance Man, proudly presented by the New York Post. This week's theme is life is a contact sport. I'm a Detroit native. I was raised by a single parent. Rest in power to my queen, mother, the beautiful Jeannie Cassandra Rose. Raised four kids on the northwest side of Detroit. We never had a nanny. We never had a maid. She never had a day off. So you know what ended up happening? Toughness was being fostered every day. So you know what you had to do? Protect your pride. And sometimes that pride can be foolish. And it can cost you your life. Looking at somebody the wrong way. Stepping on somebody's shoes. Bumping into somebody and not saying sorry. All of those things can become fatal. But you know one of the things that my mother always taught me? If somebody hit you, you hit them back. I don't care if they're bigger than you. I don't care if it's more than one person. You defend yourself at all costs. And there were times when I was at school or when I was at the basketball court or when I was playing football or when I was in the street, I started to run with the wrong crowd. I got tangled up with the wrong people. I got punched in the eye before. I went home when it happened. I was seeing stars. The forecast was cloudy. I went to the crib. I needed a standing eight count. I needed to regroup. But here's the problem. Once I got to the crib, my mother saw my eye. What happened to you? Well, you know, I was doing this, this, and this, and this. No, what happened to you? Well, and then it was on accident and da 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 What happened to you? Because if you don't tell me what happened to you, I'm going to do you worse than they did. Well, what had happened was I kind of got into an altercation, got punched in the eye. And then here's the million-dollar question. And while life is a contact sport, you know her response? It wasn't, baby, let me get you some ice. It was, did you hit them back? I was like, well, it was 
three of them, and I was hitting them back until they rushed me and punched me in the eye. And then all of a sudden, I felt like it was probably best for my health to just run home, just to dash out of there. She didn't love that answer. You know what she did? She got the car keys. We're about to get in the car, and I'm about to drive you back over there because you're going to fight back. I don't care how many of them it is. So imagine in the hood, people out in the park just chilling, people your age, and you pull up in the car with your mom. She jumps out of the car, and she looks at about 25 people at the park, some drinking, some smoking, all cursing, most just chilling, living their best life. Which one of them punched you? Like, well, since you put it like that, he did. All of a sudden, a miraculous thing started to happen in the hood. They're called fair ones. What does a fair one mean? What is that? It means that we get to fight fair and square. Mano y mano, toe-to-toe, one-on-one. The dude that punched me, he and I going to fight. Nobody else can jump in. Okay, cool. So you know what ended up happening? I'm a janky lefty. Janky. He swing, I swing. I swing, he swing. And before I know it, my left hand and second knuckle connects with that cheekbone. And you know what happened when you hit that knuckle against that cheekbone? Blood. All of a sudden, he just started bleeding everywhere. I won the fight. I'm not encouraging violence. I'm just telling you this. Life is a contact sport. And sometimes you're going to have to fight for your goals, your dreams, your legacy to pay your bills. What are you going to do? Go home and cry? Because life changes. And I'll tell you the day when it happens. When each of your bills are in your name. That's when life becomes a contact sport. When you can't call your mom, your dad, your parent, your guardian, your uncle, your niece, your big brother to pay your bills. Can you hook me up with this phone bill? Can you hook me up with this car insurance? No. Life changes. It becomes a contact sport. Rest in peace, Jeannie Cassandra Rose. You knew when to give me tough love. Understood. When I needed a pat on the back, or when I needed a kick in the butt. But also, you taught me that life is a contact sport. And my next guest has actually made a living off of a contact sport. And up next, the UFC's own, Dana White. Today I have an icon on the show, a game changer in sports. When you talk about this sport, all I have to say is one name, Dana. And you know the sport that I'm talking about, UFC. Dana White, thank you very much for joining the program. Thanks for having me, brother. 
I appreciate the love. And you've done an amazing job as the president of the UFC. And so many people know you for that, and rightfully so. But I heard that you also wanted to be in the fighting business since you were 19. Yeah. How did you know when you were so young that you wanted to be in the industry? I don't know. You know, I've always been a huge fan of fighting. I've always loved all different types of fighting. And I've been very lucky in that. I believe that half the battle in life is knowing exactly what you want to do and then just going out there every day and trying to get it done. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough to know that at a very young age. Really didn't care if I made money or any of that stuff. All I wanted to do was be in the fight business. You've been an amazing leader and an entrepreneur. And because of your leadership, the UFC has become a global sports phenomenon. In your opinion, what's the secret sauce that the UFC has made that makes it stand out from other sports? Well, thank you. I guess it's, it's our willingness to always want to find the absolute best fighters in the world and match the best against the best. I mean, it, it was one of the things, as a, as a huge boxing fan, it used to drive me crazy that we could never see the fights that we wanted to see or we would see them too late. They were years right. down the road when you know right. the guys were out of their prime. It used to drive me crazy. So it was our goal to always make sure that we found the best and had the best fight the best. Floyd and Pacquiao come to mind with that, absolutely. The theme for this episode, and I think you'll appreciate this, is life is a contact sport. Life is like sports. We all get knocked down. But what makes a champion is who gets up. Who is your favorite champion in life? And how did they inspire you, Dana White, to keep on fighting? Well, like many, many other people, probably yourself included, I would imagine, Muhammad Ali mm. is one of my all-time favorite human beings ever. The things that he did in the game and in his personal life and for other human beings, and it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Asian, uh, Hispanic, Muhammad Ali is an inspiration for humans, period. I'm also a big Bruce Lee fan. Mm, my guy, classic <laughs> legends. <laughs> I love Bruce Lee so much, and I thought I was in heaven when I saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> in the movie, and he kicked him in the chest. I was like, yes, basketball and karate, we've arrived. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> no doubt about it. I was wearing the flat shoes in the hood, and we were making the ghetto nunchucks. <laughs> I I used to make ghetto no jokes Exactly. So talk to me about the origin of the sport. Like talk about the gravity of the sport and how you've been able to navigate for so very long and do such an excellent job. You know, I believed a long time ago. Listen, there's I have this philosophy. It doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or lang what language you speak. We're all human beings. And fighting's in our DNA. We get it and we like it. It doesn't have to be explained to us. Like in the United States, you know, you got, it's probably nothing bigger than the NFL. Football is massive. And even mm -hmm. if you didn't watch, you know, one game all year, everybody watches the Super Bowl, does, you know, over 100 million viewers. But NFL isn't big in other parts of the world. And in other parts of the world, cricket is big. Nobody's, cricket's never going to be big here. But fighting mm -hmm. works everywhere. We get it and we like it. It doesn't have to be explained to us. So with, with that 
philosophy. We uh, went out and started basically finding fighters from all over the world, getting television deals all over the world. And I used to make this bold statement, you know, 13, 14 years ago, that the UFC would be the biggest sport on earth. Mm. And at that time, people thought I was crazy. Right here, right now, today, I bet people don't think I'm as crazy as they thought I was, you know, 15 years ago. No. So when you take the fact that I believe that this would work everywhere, I think, and that we were willing to find the absolute best and put the best against the best, I mean, it, it sort of speaks for itself. It's like in boxing, you'd have all these arguments over who was the, you know, the best heavyweight in the world because yeah. there were three or four different champions. There's only one belt here in each weight division, and every guy that, that, that has it had to get fight through killers mm-hmm. to get to the top and become the champ. There's no doubt or debate who the best is. The guys in, in our sport are so good, we actually start talking about them crossing weight classes now, you know, mm-hmm. jumping up a weight class and, or going down a weight class. Because we already know that they're the best middleweight. They're the best welterweight. They're the best lightweight in the world, whatever it is. You actually look like a fighter yourself. Mm. What is your diet and fitness routine? My diet is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason I have a fitness routine is because I love food. Um, So I I basically eat what I want and... uh, you know, I work out. I actually have attached to my office. I have my own gym here. So every morning I start my day off in the gym. I have a trainer and he does what he does with, with me in the morning. And then uh, that that allows me to eat whatever I want. Dana, unlike the NFL or the NBA, like the players become the face of the sport or of the team to build your sport. That was actually you. How was it for you to adjust to life in the spotlight? Yeah, you know, the thing is with me is is every fight that happens, from the biggest fight we ever do to the smallest fights we do, I'm the guy who's attached to every single fight. So I'm the guy that's out there telling you why you need to watch this fight, why you should be excited about it. Or I'll even tell you about some fights that you might not know about that you should know about. So I'm always the guy that's in front. And obviously, in the beginning, it took a little getting used to. I mean, you see fans all the time. They take, like, my first interview that I ever did, and then it'll <laughs> compare it to interviews now. So it's, it's, it's been a work in progress over the last 20 years. But I love what I do. I love this sport. I love talking about fights. I love talking about the UFC. So it's easy for me, and it's fun. And, and, and when I'm out in public and I bump into people that love what I do as much as I do, why would I not want to hang out and talk to them? Why would I not want to sit and talk to you for 30 minutes about what I love? I appreciate that. And not only your work ethic, but you've been an amazing businessman as well. Thank you. What's your greatest skill? What's the greatest skill set that has allowed you to be successful? I would say the thing that has made me successful is my, my love and passion for fighting. Like I said, originally when I was 19 and I got into this, it was never about the money. I've never been chasing money or trying to, you know, it's never been thinking about money. It's always been about fighting and and, and escalating the UFC brand and the sport and the athletes and, and putting on the absolute best fights in the world. And when you love what you do and you all you can focus on 
is building this incredible platform for fighters to showcase their skills and for fight fans to come watch. All the other just stuff just comes with it. You did something that was genius that the NBA took a page out of your book. And that's when coronavirus hit and the pandemic took place. You created a bubble and you created islands. Can you just describe what went into that thought process and how that helped elevate your sport at a time where you were the only sport having live events that were being televised? Yeah, you know, it never made sense to me when this thing hit to run and hide. You know, this is America, man. We figure things out here. We, we find solutions to problems. We don't run and hide from anything here. Mm-hmm. That's just the way that I think and the way that I'm built. So I said, there has to be a way. I mean, even if we have to build a lab here at UFC headquarters to test for this stuff, or there's a way to figure this out. And if it was as deadly and as bad as some people thought it was, where are you going to hide from a virus? Right. You're not going to hide from a virus, even if you stay in your house forever. It's just never made sense to me. So I, I, I always said, let's take this thing head on and let's figure it out and find solutions. Because because more more importantly than anything is there's a standard rule. You, you have something like this that happens to your business. Okay, so here's what we need to do. We shut down. Mm-hmm. We get rid of 30% of our staff. We cut all of our executives pay in half. And that's just, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. There's no way in hell. These people that have been with me on this journey for 20 years, a lot of the people that are still here, were here in the beginning. As we built this company, you know, people have been here for years. One bad thing happens and I'm going to let 30% of you go. I'm going to leave you standing out in the cold and, and, and the darkest time we've ever had, not only in the company's history, but in the country's history, since I've been alive, right? Yeah. This is what I'm going to do to you. This is the guy that, that, that you have followed for the last 20 years. This is what he's going to do to you right now when times get tough. No way in hell. No way in hell. I admire that so much. I couldn't wait to hear your response to that because it was beautiful to watch your leadership and your forward thinking. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you come from humble beginnings as well. Thank you. And so now being in the position of power and living a good life, I have a question for you. When I come to Vegas, tell me some places I should go for dinner or for (laughs) a good gambling. You know, like where should people go when they come to Vegas? Yeah, so there's so many answers to this question. So depends on what kind of food you want. You want Italian? You go to a place called Carbones, okay? Mm-hmm. You want steak? There's so many great steak options. There's a place literally in Mandalay Bay that's been here forever. I've been eating there for a long time. It's called Strip Steak. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Incredible service. And even through the pandemic, this place is still rocking. It's incredible, the, the business that they do. The SW at the Wynn Steakhouse is unbelievable. And then as far as gambling, I mean, if you're coming in and you're on a limited gambling budget, Palace Station. Mm. Place is great. The dealers are great. The atmosphere is great for gambling. And they have tons of $5 tables. You have a bigger budget and you want to go crazy, you go to places like Caesars Palace Mm. where they'll let you bet $50,000 a hand. You know what I mean? Instead of $5. But before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment. 
that I like to do called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready okay. to do this, Dana? I'm ready. Fire I know away. you're the king at making the best fights happen, but tell me one fight you wanted to make happen that hasn't taken place yet. One fight that that, that, that I couldn't make? Yes. So I tried to make a, a fight with the Russian Fedor Emelianenko versus Brock Lesnar. What? And for, for some reason, I couldn't get a deal done with those crazy Russians. <laughs> Favorite fight night ritual? Favorite fight night ritual. So every night when I go to the fights, I have a really nice room in the back with a TV, and I watch all the prelims on TV. Then I go out for the main card. That That is my pre-fight ritual. Nice. Last album that you purchased? Album? Oh, my yes. God. Probably the last album, I mean, if I had to guess off the top of my head, the last album I purchased was probably Pearl Jam or the Red Hot Chili Peppers, one of those two. <laughs> Legendary acts right there. No question about it. What would the name of your boat be if you had one? The name of your boat. Ooh. <laughs> That's a good one. Punch Drunk. I like that one. <laughs> I like or that punchy. one. One of those, punch drunk or punchy. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what would it be? Hmm. Yeah. Mine would be, I guess, if I could know the answer to one question, mm -hmm. is there anything after death? Mm. I respect and appreciate that last question. I want to have some fun with you. Put LeVar Ball and Michael Jordan in the octagon. <laughs> Who you got? Listen, it, it, it's such a it's such a biased answer for me. I'm one of the biggest Jordan fans ever. I love nope. Jordan. And guess what? I had forgotten how much I love Jordan till the Jordan documentary came out again and it made me love him <laughs> even more. He's a killer. He's a savage. <laughs> he, he goes right for the jugular. All he wants to do is tear yeah. you apart. Nobody stands a chance in the octagon against Michael Jordan. Always a pleasure, Dana. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Take care. Take care. Last, Last call. This week's Last Call is about the importance of taking care of your body. Taking better care of our bodies will lead to increased energy levels and a better ability to accomplish our daily goals. It means better ability to concentrate on any given task and that our tasks will take less time to actually complete. But most importantly, it will allow us to live longer, healthier lives. We all know we should exercise or eat better, but here are some of the steps I personally take to take care of my body. First, it's important to get some sleep. Sleep deprivation affects our mood, our concentration, our attention, our memory, our ability to fight off infection, our libido, and our judgment. Second is dental health, even for people like me who have veneers. Did you know that poor dental health 
and gum disease have actually been linked to heart disease and lower life expectancy. Brush and floss those pearly whites at least two or three times a day. Lastly, is hydration. You're going to drink a lot of things during the day. A lot of sugar, maybe some caffeine, a smoothie. But you know the most important thing you're going to drink all day is water. Drink water, people. Always remember, take care of your body because it's the only place you have to live. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.